It's nearly here. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. If it's not already, we're in the last week, the last week before Christmas. I can't believe it. My favourite week by far. Everyone's winding down from work. Everyone's getting really excited. It can be the most frantic week though, if you're like me and you haven't quite um, bought all of your presents yet. So after I posted this podcast, I'm about to go and do all of that. Um, but yeah, if you're feeling the stress, make sure you listen to uh, episode three, I think it is, with Susie Redding, who has lots of tips on um, Christmas overwhelm. I actually might go and listen to it again. <laughs> um, but this week, we are talking to the amazing Donna Ashworth. Donna is a Sunday Times bestselling poet and author, and she has a new book out, which is wonderful, a perfect Christmas present in fact. Um, It's called Wild Hope and it's a book of poems. Um, Her writing has been described before as um, a warm hug and I think that's a beautiful um, description of her of her work. She's one of those poets that you just kind of dip in and out of. You can just pick it up, read one or two pages and just feel completely different about your day. definitely a book to keep forever you know so it's a lovely gift um and I'm very grateful to to have it here to to read this Christmas we're going to be talking about hope at Christmas time why it's so important and how to have a hopeful Christmas and and what that actually means and I think the the biggest thing I've taken from it from our conversation is you know having why it's so important to have hope and how we can use hope to kind of light up the darkness you know and we're thinking about all of the horrible things that are going on in the world at the moment if we think about those things too much it can be difficult to it really embrace the joy of Christmas but of course it is important to think about them um and Christmas can be a wonderful time of giving um and of positivity and yeah I'm not going to go into it because um Donna uh, can can talk so much more eloquently about it um, than than I can. So so yeah, let's get into it. I really hope you enjoy uh, this this podcast with Donna and myself chatting. And yeah, hope you've checked out all of the other episodes so far. If not, binge them all this week. <laughs> That's what this week is for. Um, okay, let's get into it. So. Hi Donna, how are you? Hello, <laughs> I'm good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Is that a Christmas jumper I see there? Always, yeah, every day in December a different Christmas <laughs> jumper. I've done it for years, I collect them. Yeah, I've got a bit of a jumper obsession anyway. So I have a separate Christmas jumper collection that has just grown over the years immeasurably. I love that idea, you can just wear one every single day of December. <laughs> Well, that leads us very nicely into the first question, because I understand that you're a huge fan of Christmas, just like me, a Christmasaholic. Oh, I just love it. A Christmasaholic, Mrs. Christmas, Christmas crazy, all the things, absolutely. Oh, I love that so much. (laughs) Why do you love Christmas? What is it about Christmas that you love? Do you know what it is? Uh, 
Primarily, I think it's about the light, how everybody is looking for light, bringing in light, putting up lights, creating joy, creating magical moments. It's like there's a collective consciousness of of joy Mm -hmm. and, you know, hope and love and fun. And I just I just love that. I just you know it's it's just my favorite time of the year I'm a real sort of the the run up to Christmas is my um thing Mm -hmm. the Christmas itself the day you know around about not so much for me it's that it's that festive season the run up you know the excitement in the air the anticipation yes I love that because I was going to ask you I think people are often in two camps aren't they they're either all about the big day Christmas day and maybe Boxing Day or it's the season yeah for me it's the season it's definitely the season and I think without it you know where we are the winter would be so long and so and of course this is the darkest part Mm -hmm. I mean I'm in Scotland we are we're losing light at three now the sun sets at half past three Mm -hmm. um it's crazy how quickly the day feels like it's done. Yeah. So the fact that lights are everywhere and everything's, you know, bright and, and festive just gets me through that change in the, the dramatic change in the seasons. Yeah. I, I often think the Christmas lights are almost like the daylight that we're missing, aren't they? They're Completely. like the light that we're Completely. after. And it's like, you know, we know winter's coming. It's quite depressing, the onset of winter for many people and we know the hard months are upon us Mm -hmm. so being able to focus on something joyous and and fun it's a no-brainer yeah I love that it to me it's black and white you know of course you would Um, (laughs) and on the flip side of that it can make it a lot more difficult for people who um who are not in a position to look for light or they don't want they, they specifically do not want the light or they're not able for mm-hmm. it this year or whatever reason that they have as good as it can be for many it can be you know the exact opposite yeah. for others so it's a complex time yes yeah and I just can't wait to ask you more about that I've got some questions coming up on that but just to lead us into it, you write a lot about hope, don't you? Mm-hmm. You're you're a poet, and your book Wild Hope is out at the moment. It's just Aww. oh, it's just wonderful. So you Thank do you. write a lot about <laughs> hope. And what do you think the benefits are for us in our lives when it comes to nurturing hope? I mean, it would be quicker to answer what the the benefits are not, mm. because hope is the space between when things go wrong and hoping that they will get better, knowing that they will get better, having faith, it's the space between, um, you know, between where you are at the moment and where you need to be Mm. or where you hope to get to be. You know, it's that without hope, there is really nothing. It doesn't matter what good things are around. If you, if you, if you're not harnessing the hope, if you're not practicing the, the holding on to it, then, the good things don't stick as well they slide off so hopelessness is the most dangerous place that anybody can exist in yeah and at Christmas time there are many people unfortunately who do find themselves in that place of hopelessness and that is the the most dangerous place a Mm. human psyche can can be so for me the practice of recognizing hope 
understanding what it is and how to harness it or share it or create it is more important than anything else. Yeah. Do you think that hope is the same as belief? Do you think they're the same thing? I think hope and faith and belief are all very um, closely entwined because um, hope and faith, even if your faith is just in hope, you know, they, mm. they kind of bounce off one another. Mm. Um, that sort of trusting in your instincts or trusting in the universe or trusting in your, uh, your religion, whatever that may be, uh, hope and faith are really, yeah, and belief, believing that there's still magic, believing that mm -hmm. things will pass, mm -hmm. that anything can change in a good way. Um, it's, it's vital, isn't it? It's yeah. really vital, especially in winter. Mm, yes, yeah, especially in winter, that belief and hope that yeah. spring will come. <laughs> yeah, and we know that it does, you know. Yeah. Nature shows us every year that you can be completely bare and frozen and vulnerable and just chill and believe literally chill <laughs> <laughs> and, and and know that it will pass and it will all happen again and it's you know and on the cycle goes yeah would you consider yourself an optimist and no would <laughs> so I'm guessing then do you think we have to be an eternal optimist to embrace no. hopefulness no I have always been somebody who's uh, pessimistic not deliberately but that's my nature I cannot help but overthink everything I instantly go to the worst case scenario I go to the panic I go to the what if you know my brain immediately and has always connected to the worst possible outcome of every eventuality um I've had to really train myself to um, not so much become an optimist, but have the tools to 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 switch that, to 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 acknowledge it and have a look at it, and not smooth over because anything that's smoothed over will resurface. Mm. But actually deal with it and say, but what about if? And then along with the over sort of thinking, over analyzing in a negative way, also comes the being able to see really deeply beautiful possibilities as well mm -hmm. and to be able to watch an everyday occurrence and see the magic in it or watch two people have a chat and somehow know the tableau and how it unfolded and what that means and these what these people are actually saying to one another so it's it's a double-sided almost like bookends my my psyche if you like with the worst case scenario but also the magic and the beauty so trying to sustain reality in the middle is something that I have to really work hard to achieve every day set my intention watch my thinking retrain my inner critic and flip the radio station from negative fm to positive fm but without sort of pretending yeah you know because the whole fake it till you make it thing there is truth to that and it does work you can pretend to be happy and it will kick in but you've also got to deal with everything that's mm. um that's underneath that might be causing you the anxiety or the worry or the fear um and I have been riddled with fear my whole entire life for no good reason other than the world is terrifying yeah you know my life's not been any more scary than anybody else's um but I had a I've had a 
pre-programmed disposition to feel it. Yeah, yeah, so many of us do, don't we? And I don't think that's spoken about enough, really, is it? No. So Christmas songs, films, especially kids' books, I'm noticing, so I've got a little two-year-old and starting to get back into that a little bit. how (laughs) wonderful! It's such a lovely time of year with the little one, isn't it? Perfect time. (laughs) But they all have such a strong message of hope. Why do you think Mm -hmm. that Christmas and hope go hand in hand so often? Because it's, again, with the collective consciousness, it only really happens like this at Christmas the whole world Mm -hmm. is focused on goodwill kindness gift giving you know going out of your way to help fellow man so that that collective consciousness is so powerful if everybody came together like that or prayed like that in other times for other things going on the power that that we would have that the ripples that that would create would be huge mm-hmm. but at christmas we do it without really thinking about what we're achieving how everybody in the country at one time is saying merry christmas goodwill to all can i help you here's a gift thank you for all you've done this year so it's almost like sending all that out into the ethos at once mm-hmm. It's magical if you could see it. Yeah. If you could see that energy emanating from every household, um, all the good thoughts and all the all the people stopping to smell the roses and really live yeah. and enjoy their life in that moment, you know that is that's hope and magic. It's and we're all doing it at the same time, yeah. which is why it's such a powerful thing. Why we hold on to Christmas the way that we do. I think, yeah. regardless of cultural things or the way the world's evolving we're not going to let go because we need it yeah we need the good I love that I love that idea of being able to see it as well because I was driving around last night and I love looking at other people's Christmas lights it just makes me so happy yeah and if you get a little glimpse in the window yes yeah (laughs) you know that that family has a tin of chocolates open somewhere you know that somebody's popping in with a gift you know that a Christmas movie is going to be put on at some point you know that phone calls are being made emails are being sent cards are being written in every house on every street you know for me that's so powerful I just I, I feel really excited about it all the time it is so powerful yeah yeah and to think that people I mean just thinking about putting up Christmas lights outside your house it's an effort putting up any Christmas decorations it's energy and effort and a job that we don't usually do we don't need it we don't need the extra work and we all get so furious doing it nobody's really that happy doing it like in the movies but you know that when it's done and the light comes back to you and you're so yes. glad you keep going out to have a look don't you keep yes to have out a window. <laughs> every time you come home and I just love that we're all it's a sign that's the yeah. visual representation I, I absolutely guess, and that's so powerful and you know when obviously when war happens and when things go wrong when people come together and say you know when the when the whole Ukraine war began um People put the flags out. They said, I open my door. I will help. I'm going to pack stuff. I'm going to donate stuff. I'm going to open my door and host someone. You know, that it's the coming together of people for one focus Mm -hmm. um, that for me is what sometimes we humans forget that we've got that power in numbers Mm -hmm. and thoughts, and which is why prayer 
existed and why prayer became such a beacon of hope for people when things were really dark and uh, we didn't have all this connectivity. Mm-hmm. You know, prayer was, it was all everybody had, but they knew they were all doing it at the same time and they knew there was power in that. So it fascinates me. Yeah, and that brings me on to my next question. I guess inevitably at one point or another in our lives we're all going to be facing or maybe are facing now something upsetting or painful that's happening at Christmas time. Maybe the loss of a loved one or a period of anxiety or depression, redundancy, whatever it is. What message do you have for anyone who's facing adversity in their personal life at a time when we all just want so much to embrace joy? Do you think it's possible to enjoy Christmas even when we're facing adversity? I think I think everybody's very different and, and depending on the circumstances, it's easy for me to say if you're grieving, you know, the people that you, you are missing would want you to enjoy Christmas and mm. embrace Christmas. We know that to be true. Everybody knows that. That doesn't mean it can be done. It doesn't mean you've got that capacity. I think... All you can do is find, if you if you lead with kindness as your as your force as your carrot, you know if you think of the donkey and the carrot, if you put kindness there, and that kindness can be for anybody or anything, but most importantly for yourself, mm. every now and again and every day, if you can put kindness as your focus, it will ripple out into everything else, and it will allow light to come in in a certain amount as much as you can tolerate or deal with Mm. um if you set kindness as your intention and I think that's all some people can aim for in one day and know that no matter how dark it feels no matter how hopeless it feels no matter how desperate or numb you feel the knowing that that will pass as everything passes always Mm -hmm. everything passes and the being able to practice the hanging on the, the holding on, the hope, mm. knowing that you don't feel it now. You can't imagine how you could possibly feel it, but somewhere you've got hope that you know that everybody does eventually feel joy again, yeah. feel hope again, feel happiness again, or any emotion if you're numb. So the practicing, the hanging on, and the waiting for that light to to trickle in and when the light does trickle in they're trying to grab it even if it's for five minutes Mm. and it will go away again and that's all right it'll come back if you let go and then let it in and then let go so it's just about the the hanging on for Mm -hmm. for many people Mm -hmm. and allowing other people in if they can because we all understand pain we might not know the exact situation that the the measure of their pain but we know what it's like to feel um done in we know what it's like to feel defeated Mm -hmm. so just being open to that tiny bit of light I love that thank you for sharing that I'd just like to share with you another place that you can find me over on Substack no matter how old our little ones are there's just never as much time now as there was before right And trying to carve out more time for us or sleep when the baby sleeps and all the equivalents just isn't realistic and can actually be really frustrating. I believe if we want self-care in our lives for real, we have to embed it into our children's lives too. 
Because when we can invest in our well-being while we're with the kids, some magical things happen. Firstly, you're able to do the things that make you feel good every day, not just when you can grab a sporadic five minutes or when someone offers to look after the kids. Secondly, these things we do that make us feel good begin to manifest as habits in our lives, which have a compounding effect on our well-being. The work we will do together over on my channel, Rebecoming, will literally rewire your brain to be more positive, emotionally resilient, grateful, less anxious and overwhelmed, and better able to manage stress. And thirdly, perhaps the most excitingly, two things happen to our children. As we rewire our brains to the more emotionally resilient, grateful, less anxious and overwhelmed version of ourselves, we're also wiring their brains to a default setting of positivity, gratitude, happiness, and set them up from the beginning as emotionally intelligent, emotionally resilient children who are less anxious, stressed, and better able to regulate their emotions. We also teach them that self-care is a priority and as normal as brushing your teeth so that in the future, they have the tools to look after their own health too. So over on my channel, Rebecoming on Substack, I share fascinating research tips, tricks and hacks to raise not only happy, confident and calm children, but happy, confident and calm mothers and fathers too. From inspiring, heartwarming articles to podcasts like this one, free bedtime meditations for you and fun mindfulness activities to watch and do with your little ones, I promise you'll start seeing the benefits inside yourself and in your family sooner than you'd realise. So let's go on a journey to re-become ourselves and rewire well-being from the inside. This is realistic self-care for you and your little ones. Subscribe now to Ali Rothfarah's Rebecoming channel on Substack today. See you there. On a wider spectrum, if we're in a place in our lives where everything is okay personally, and maybe in fact, especially if everything is okay personally, what advice do you have for us? I know you spoke briefly about war in Ukraine, for example. But what advice do you have for us at a time when it seems like the world is just on fire? I mean, literally in some place, places it is on fire. But, you know, climate change, war in Ukraine, Gaza and Palestine. How do we navigate so much indul indulgence in both joy and happiness, but also in the material things when other people around the world are suffering? The worst thing that you can do is switch off the light in respect for people who are in darkness mm -hmm. because they don't need more darkness. Mm -hmm. They're in the darkness. They need your light. That's the hope. You have to keep the balance. So if you're if you're kind in your little corner of the world, it might feel it might feel but that's not going to help them. And you know, but it keeps the balance of the whole entire energy of the world from shifting into negativity, into you know, spiraling downwards. You have to keep your little corner of the universe kind and positive and, and joyful where possible. Mm -hmm. You can actively help other people. You can try your best to spread that help as far into the world as you can. But dimming everything down doesn't help. That, you know, that all that does is, is dim everything down even further. So you can help and still keep everything joyful and keep everything keep the celebrations up because at the end of the day we have to keep hoping that 
these when the world turns on its axis like this and it feels like a snow globe being shaken by a toddler mm -hmm. sometimes you know and we can't believe what's happening next but we have to keep we have to keep that faith and that hope and that belief in good mm -hmm. and by practicing it and being it and projecting it it's the only way we can't fix all the problems overnight that is just so powerful because it often feels like we can't oh, do anything, you know, apart from yeah. donate money or whatever it is. But it feels like that's not enough sometimes. And I think, yeah, you're, yeah. you're so right. It always feels like that. And it, it should feel like that. We should always want to do more. Um, and there is a guilt when you think, oh, look at us. We're having all this, spending all this money on, on things that don't matter. But actually, it's all kindness and it does matter. Yeah. And it is really important and you have to live while the living is easy because everybody does get their share mm -hmm. of up and downs and you don't know what's coming for you mm -hmm. and nobody can know. So you must take what is in your corner of the world yeah. when it's there, but always be mindful and always actively, you know, project kindness yeah. and doing activity. There's always something you can do. Mm -hmm. Tiny little things, but they matter. Yeah. They trickle, they ripple. Yeah. Uh, they make other people do it and then that can be a hundred other people and then that can be a thousand and we know with social media one post that's shared on a whim can become a viral post that can move mountains mm -hmm. so everything matters everything has its weight and everything is important but but never never dim to match um they need hope they need light they need they need to know there are people who can help mm -hmm. who are able to help and who are there so the brighter you shine, the more hope that creates, I think. Oh, you are so wonderful. I just love that so much. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> well, taking us away from the darkness then, let's finish on something light because yes. this whole series really, what's come out of it for me has been about creating intentional and conscious decisions around this special time of year. And I think traditions are one of those things. I love hearing about people's traditions um, because we've all got, you know, similar ones or completely wacky ones. And I think we also have, you know, often traditions that are inherited. And nowadays people, maybe it's just because we're seeing it on Instagram, but people are also starting to create traditions, which I love. And they're obviously very intentional. So I'd love to hear what's the most intentional Christmas tradition you have in your house it's something that you know is just Christmas for you and the the one that always that you always make sure you intentionally do or embrace that's such a good question and a million traditions are flying through my mind at the moment while I try and <laughs> harness one of them I mean I think our traditions are really quite um normal uh, you know, we, my sister and I, I mean, we have this tradition on December the 1st where we're, <laughs> wherever we are in the world, we ring each other up and I've lived sort of all over the world and we sing Christmas carols on the 1st of December. And I guess that is solely ours. Yeah. And this year I had a, a book event in Glasgow. So we actually stayed the night in a hotel and we went to uh, bed beside each other in our matching stripy pyjamas, which was accidental. <laughs> and we woke up we went, went to bed and sang Christmas carols and we woke up and sung them but we have the ones that we sing which is Little Donkey Aww. and Away in a Manger you know this, the ones you you sang at preschool yes yes uh, and my sister is a Grinch until December the 1st 
<laughs> she refuses any conversation. She says, Shh. so I'm November, <laughs> you know, I'm all, so for me, I think it was probably the joy that she was going to join yeah, in. Yeah. Um, so I, I would be ridiculously excited about being able to sing Christmas yeah. carols on the 1st of December. So I, I'm probably going to go with that one because it's, I guess it's unique to yeah. us and going back to my childhood, she's three years older than me. So I kind of felt like that was my permission yeah, yeah. to go for it. I love that. <laughs> and let my whole weird self out. And it's so intentional because you have to make the effort to do it. And that's what I love about that. Yeah. And I've been in Azerbaijan, I've been in Spain, I've been living in England or wherever, and we've done that phone call uh, to sing Christmas carols wherever we are, even when we're out, yeah. you know, if we've been out sort of partying in our 20s or whatever. <laughs> Everything had to stop for a little donkey. <laughs> oh, and I just love the idea of you two, you know, all old and wrinkly with your little, still little dressing it. gowns on, still doing it as yeah. grannies, that's the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well... I wish you a very Merry oh, Christmas, Donna. Thank you so much for coming and chatting on the podcast. Oh, I just love that I found another Christmasaholic. It's a no-brainer <laughs> for me, even though we almost didn't get it in. I know. It was 100% having to happen for me because I'm not missing out on, on a Christmas-themed anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much and have the best you Christmas, too. Donna. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Tiny Forest. This holiday season, give a gift that truly grows love and leaves a lasting impact. Tiny Forest is an urban tree planting initiative by environmental charity Earthwatch Europe, and they've got a wonderful mindful Christmas idea for any nature lover. For just £18, you can choose your loved one's favourite tree species and sponsor it in its own tiny forest. Choose a meaningful location, receive a personalised certificate and watch the forest flourish. From a mighty oak to the valuable hazel, which is a food source for birds, small mammals and even deer. The graceful elm or the beautiful rowan, which in folklore has mythical properties, often planted near homes to ward off evil spirits. Or even the very Christmassy looking silver birch. You can sponsor as many trees as you like, maybe even grow your own tiny forest. Why champion a tree? Well, over 6 million people in the UK lack access to green space close to home. Your sponsorship supports Earthwatch in creating 500 tiny forests by 2030, fostering nature in cities and combating the decline of wildlife highlighted by the 2023 State of Nature report. Join us in bringing nature back to our urban landscapes. Visit earthwatch.org.uk to make a difference today.